I am excited this morning. Man, it's been an awesome service seeing people get water baptized and all that's happening in our church. It is exciting. And uh, Heather and I just want to thank you again for just welcoming us in uh, to the family. I feel like I'm echoing up here just a little bit. Maybe it's just me. But uh, we're, we're so excited uh, to be here. And we believe that God, you know, it, what's, what's really ironic about this, and it's not really, I guess, ironic, it's God setting all things in motion. When we came in, Acts 1-8 is one of our, that, that's like, that's our mission statement. That's, that's who we are. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost, matter of fact, I probably am going to preach on it tonight. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's our heart, that's our mission statement, that's what we live by, and so it was exciting to uh, hear the board when they said, well, that's kind of the verse that we've been praying about as the vision for our church, and so uh, you'll be hearing more about that vision uh, in the coming months. Matter of fact, in January, we're going to do a big uh, vision launch and, and launch our, our vision and what our vision is for the coming years, and so you'll want to uh, be a part of that as that happens. We've already had a couple of leaders meetings um, to discuss that with all the leaders here and then uh, with the board meetings and such as well. So anyway, if you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to talk this morning. I want to teach a, a continuation of our message series that we've been on, on breaking and living free. And this morning, I want to share a little bit about releasing offense. And I know no one in here has ever been offended. Nobody's ever had anybody do anything to create offense, right? You can laugh. That's, that's humorous because what we know that if you live in this life, you're going to have opportunity to be offended. If you live and breathe, you're going to have opportunity to be offended. Maybe I have offended you or maybe it's the person sitting next to you has offended you. Maybe it's your spouse that you're sitting next to and don't elbow them right now. But maybe they've offended you. And uh, we're all faced with that. I remember a few years back, this has been several years back, but um, I, there was a, I got a phone call from some of my friends, pastor friends of mine, and it was all within the same week, and I started getting calls that said, hey, so-and-so, this, this particular pastor that was on our staff at the church, is lying about you and saying these, and started telling me all these things that they were saying about me. Of course, how many of you know when you hear someone lying about you, your, your blood pressure starts to rise a little bit. You start to get a little bit irritated with that. And that's kind of how I felt. I was like, how dare they spread rumors about me and lie about me? And that's kind of how the situation started. And I realized, you know what? I can either get offended about, about this or I can let the truth rise to the top and let God vindicate me. And that's exactly what he did. Unfortunately, that situation, uh, that particular person ended up in a really bad situation. Um, but those things kind of happen. And so I want to take a look at what the Scripture says about offense. The Bible says, uses this term uh, for offense. The word that the Bible uses is scandalon. Scandalon. And the, that word scandalon in the Greek means to set a trap. It's, it's a uh, bait. Or the, you know, if you've ever seen Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and all of those. If, how many of you remember Bugs Bunny? Yeah, we miss, miss Bugs Bunny. Uh, now, nowadays, they don't have bugs, buddy. They have all sorts of ridiculous stuff out there. But, but anyway, the, you know, they would set the trap, you know, with the stick, and you pull the string, and the stick comes out. That's, that's scandalon. And so what offense is, what the Bible teaches us about offense, is that offense is a trap set by the enemy. It's an it's a ensnarement set by the enemy to get you trapped up and to get you in his trap. 
the Bible says in Matthew 26 that offense is a trap set by the enemy. Jesus turned to Peter, it says in Matthew 26, 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are a scandal. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Have you ever felt that way? Somebody was coming against you and you just thought, you have no clue, buddy. You have no idea. And that's kind of what Jesus' response was. The Bible says in Romans that Jesus is an offense to the religious. Uh, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. People who create division, the Bible says in Romans 16, 17, uh, people who create division with false doctrine are to be watched and marked. And uh, Romans 16, 17 says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offense contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. Avoid them. Paul would say, call them out in front of the church and let everybody know who's creating the offense. I got quiet in here. Galatians 5 says that religious offenses have nothing to do with the gospel, rather tradition and rituals to hinder others from the cross. Galatians 5, 11, 12. If I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I would wish that those who trouble you... I love Paul. Man, he's just right to the point. I wish they'd cut themselves off. Forget about circumcision. Just let those who create offense in the church just cut, them off, cut themselves off. So we see that there are two categories in life. There's two types of people who are suffering from offense. There are those who are truly have been done wrong and those that perceive that they've had something done wrong. In 2 Timothy, Paul offers some instruction to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 24, verse through, uh, verses 24 through 26, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, Paul offers some direction to Timothy on how to handle those who are in opposition. Now, opposition is the result of not dealing with your offense. If you allow your offense to continue, there is opposition that results. And this is what Paul told Timothy. He said, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents, or some, some translations say correcting those who are in opposition, with gentleness, God may perhaps, I love this, that God may perhaps grant them repentance. That God might have mercy on those who are creating trouble in the church. That God might maybe have mercy on them and grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may escape from the same snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So uh, we see very clearly here in Scripture, in Paul's instruction to Timothy, Timothy, hey man, these people are doing the devil's work. If you stay in offense and it causes opposition, it is a trap, it is a snare of the enemy, and you're doing his work. And maybe, just maybe, I love that little tag that Paul throws in, and maybe God might just grant you repentance that you would turn from this. The problem we see with opposition here is that it's, it's deceptive. Uh, that phrase that God might grant them shows that, that the nature of offense is deceptive. You don't know that you're offended. How many of you have ever been there in that situation? Don't raise your hand. But you've been there in that situation where you've allowed bitterness to take root and you didn't even realize you had bitterness in your life until maybe something happened, something transpired, and then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost light bulb goes on and you realize, that's me. I'm living in offense. And so offense by its nature is deceptive. The word opposition that's used here is a Greek compound word and this is what it means. To disapprove and attempt to prevent Actively resist or refuse to comply, to compete against, to replace a covenant with broken promises. 
That's what Paul's talking about to Timothy. What are some indicators you might be dealing with offense today? Since offense is deceptive, and you may not realize this morning that that offense may be taking root or opposition may be taking root in your life, here's some indicators that might help you recognize it. One, you find yourself continually in disagreement with others. (laughs) If you find yourself continually saying, I don't agree with that, I don't like that, I don't agree with that. Now, I know I'm preaching to nobody here this morning. Everybody in this room, everybody's saints and nobody's struggled with this, but just in case, I'll say this and I'll preach to myself. Number two, you're living in denial about a particular area or situation or person in your life. Spending, I love this one, number three, spending a lot of time with others who are continually in disagreement. If you're hanging out with people who are offended and constantly disagreeing, guess what? You might find yourself in a place of offense. It's getting quiet in here. My wife's with me. (laughs) Number four, feel concerned that no one seeks your advice or opinion. <laughs> you, feel, you feel bad when, when man, I, if they would have only asked me what I thought about that, I could have prevented a lot of trouble. <laughs> Number five, want revenge or to get even with someone? Well, obviously, that's a clear a sign of offense. If you're trying, trying to get even, that might be a clear one. Number six, find yourself taking out your frustration on others. Maybe there's an offense in your life towards someone that you work with and you're taking it out on your spouse when you get home. Yikes. Number seven, you blame others for your situation or your feelings. Well, it's their fault that I'm like this. It's Pastor Zach's fault that I'm like the way I am. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it won't be the first time I've heard that. Um, number eight, you make excuses for your behavior. And number nine, Certain events or people cause negative emotions to stir in you. Have you ever been in a place or situation, maybe at work or dealing with someone, that those negative emotions started stirring? You're like, oh, if I just, I'm going to get, you have offense. (laughs) You have an offense you might need to deal with. So in this life, facing the situations that we have in this life and dealing with people that we're dealing with and all of the circumstances, how do we release offense? How do we deal with offense when it comes? What do we do? Well, the first thing is you got to beware of negative seeds. Proverbs 28, 21 says, power of life and death are in the tongue. And so we have to watch those negative words. Each one of us, remember, uh, if you go back to the garden, each one of us were created out of the dirt of the ground. So you could tell your person sitting next to you, you're a dirtbag. No, don't do that. <laughs> you might have offense. And uh, so each of us are formed out of the dirt of the ground, and, and words become like seeds that are sown in our life. And so we have the opportunity to receive those words of negativity, or we can reject them. When someone begins to speak a lie about you, or begins to say something that might be hurtful towards you, instead of responding and allowing that, that seed to take root in your life, reject it and say, no, that's not what the truth of the Word says. That's, that's not what God says about my life. That's not what Scripture says about my life. And you begin to stand on the word and reject that. Hebrews 12 says, beware or look carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any, if you're going to underline something in your Bible, I would underline this, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now I want to explain this root of bitterness. 
What happens when you get offended? When, when someone or a situation happens and you get offended, what's the first thing you do? You run and tell somebody else. You won't believe what they did to me. This is what they said. This is what they did. I can't believe... How many of you know what I'm talking about? The first thing you do is you go... And maybe you're one of those people that people come to and you're like, man, I wish they'd stop. This is, I'm helping you right now. So the root of bitterness takes takes root in our lives because someone comes and says and they start and they begin to sow their seed of negativity and before you know it, a root system begins to develop. And then next time that that person, maybe that person does or says something to you, the person that the original person was offended with does or says something to you, the very first thing you think of is, well, they did that to so-and-so. They said that to so-and-so, so so it must be true. And before you know it, roots of bitterness, trees of bitterness and offense start to spring up instead of oaks of righteousness. God's called us to be an oak of righteousness, not trees full of death and bitterness. And so we have to begin to watch those negative words. A couple of observations here. We can receive or reject the words. Talked about that. Unattended offense will result in falling away. This is what the scripture says, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Did you know that not dealing with offense will eventually cause you to fall away from Christ? That which, which once burned bright and passionate in your life grows dark and dim. The passion and the, and the love of God in your life grows dark and cold because of the lawlessness of offense in your life. Offense is a root system talked about that. You can always find, I love this, you can always find someone who will agree with your offense. If you look, if you look hard enough, and you may not have to look very hard, you may be one of those like we talked about earlier, you're surrounded by people who are offended and always talking negative, and so you can always find somebody that will agree with you in your negativity. Listen, I'm just trying to help you get free this morning. Don't get mad at the preacher. The reality is, is that we all are faced with offense and, and situations that can cause offense. And so I'm helping you this morning how to walk free. Secondly, we must begin to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness is the result of eating spiritual fruit. When you begin to eat of, of the spiritual fruit talked about in Galatians 5, you begin to produce forgiveness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of those things begin to produce forgiveness in your life. Instead of being bound up with bitterness, you release them and walk in forgiveness. Some things about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgetting may be the result. Forgiveness, forgetting may be the result of forgiveness, but it's never the means. Some people teach that, well, if you're going to forgive somebody, you, you have to forget the situation. And the reality is most times you're probably not going to forget the situation. And people say, well, well, God, God says that he forgives and, and, and our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. But you and I are not God. And the last time I checked, our, our, uh, our brains programmed things really well. The catch there is, how do you respond when you think of that situation again? When that situation comes up in your life and, and maybe you're reminded of something that happened years ago, do you respond out of the anger and, and the bitterness? Or are you responding out of love, joy, peace, patience, kind of so on? Forgiveness is a choice, a crisis of the will. Our will does not want to forgive. Our will wants justice. Our will wants revenge. But love says forgive. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Love is saying, you deserve my revenge. You deserve to meet some five-fold ministry, buddy. 
But love says, instead of offering you what I feel you deserve, I recognize what I deserved and didn't get. Love is saying, I recognize I deserve death. I, res- I deserved punishment. I offended the most holy I am God. I, I offended him by my sin. And I deserve death. And I was, not re- I was not repaid what was due me. And so therefore, I choose to love you and release you. Thirdly, forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another's actions or inactions. When you forgive somebody, you release them, and you say, you know what? You did this to me, and I'm choosing to live with them. You're going to live with them one way or the other. You're going to live with the results of what that person did, said, or didn't do, or didn't say anyway. And so you, by forgiveness, choose to not hold it over them, but you're accepting that it happened, and you're moving on. Number four, not using the offense against the person in the future. This is great for married couples. How many of you married couples find the ammo uh, under the category of past hurts and past offenses? When you're in a fight, the ammunition for that fight comes out of that bucket. How many of you, your spouse has ever done or said something to you that just really aggravated you, irritated you, and then all of a sudden, that's the the very thing that comes up in your next debate or argument, and you begin to use that against your spouse. When you forgive someone, there's no longer ammunition in the bucket to use. You've got an empty bucket. There is no category for that. It's empty. It's under the blood of forgiveness and no longer holding it against the person. Number five, forgiveness is acknowledging your emotions. A lot of times when we talk about forgiveness, we don't want to deal with what our emotional uh, feelings are and how we feel about that situation. But forgiveness is causing you, will cause you and I to go to the very core of our emotional being. How does that make you feel? When, that, when your parent or your, your loved one or someone that you trust or respect says or does something that hurts you and wounds you, you can try to ignore the fact that your emotions are there or you can say, God, I need healing for my emotions. I'm going to forgive this person, but I'm hurt and I'm wounded and I need your help. I need healing for my emotions. All of us, I'll say this, all of us need healing for our emotions. All of us, everyone in this room, from every manliest of man to most feminine woman, gracious woman, everyone in this room needs healing for their emotions. It has nothing to do with man or woman. It has everything to do that we live in a fallen world. It has everything to do with the fact that we live in a fallen, messed up world that's affected by the curse of sin. And God takes the very messed up, broken hurts and, and wounds and things that happen, and those become the very tools and the instruments that he uses to build our lives. Those become the very things that God uses, whether it's abuse or, or emotional wounds or whatever it is, God takes those things and begins to build our lives. And number six, forgiveness is not waiting until you feel like it. You will never feel like forgiving. You'll never, ever, ever feel like forgiving somebody. And don't ever pray, God help me forgive. He's already helping you. He's already told you to do it. He's already giving you the Holy Spirit to help you. The problem is, is that we are just not willing to do it. We've got to begin to man up, as we say, and begin to face the reality of the situation and say, I choose to forgive that person. And then thirdly, well, let me read this. I love this scripture. I love this passage of scripture as it relates to forgiveness. In Matthew 18, Matthew 18, verse 23 through 35. If you have your Bibles, this is a great passage. 
I strongly encourage you to reference this, read this, mark it up. It's a great passage as it relates to forgiveness. Matthew 18, 23 through 35 says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, having patience with him, and I will pay, having patience with me, and I'll pay you. And he refused, and he went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow, pretty powerful. Now, let's point out a couple of things here from the scripture. The first thing is that they had... The first servant had a debt of 10,000 talents. These 10,000 talents are the equivalent, one talent is the equivalent of 75 pounds of gold. So if you begin to multiply that by the, the 10,000 talents, that's 750,000 pounds of gold this man owed his master. Now put that into modern translation, that's about $12.3 billion in today's market. I seriously doubt this man was going to be able to pay off his master. I seriously doubt that. But, but here's the master. He says, you owe me $12.3 billion, and I will, I will forgive your debt. I'll erase it. This, this debt is insurmountable. You'll not be able to pay it, but I'll forgive it. And that same servant who was forgiven, the $12.3 billion, goes out, and the servant who literally owed nothing, comparatively speaking, he begins to choke him and say, you owe me. And he won't, let him, he, he, he won't allow him to pay him back over time and even wants him thrown into prison. That's comparable to you and I. Each of us owed an insurmountable debt. Each one of us owed not just thousands or millions or billions of dollars. We, our lives were due to God. The punishment of our sin deserved death. And God forgave us and released us from our debt. And yet, when we're faced with offense and bitterness and hurtful situations, we want to hold that problem, that situation over the person who's wronged us. When Jesus sits there and says, but I released you over everything, everything you've done and said and all the hurt and all the things that you've caused me. I've given my only son to release you from your debt and you can't release someone who's hurt you or offended you. And then thirdly, how do we deal with Offense, how do we release offense? Thirdly, we have to recover with reconciliation. Godly wisdom is yielding 
and being willing to yield to another person's point of view. Sometimes you may not understand why they said the things they said or did the things they did, but when you have the wisdom of Christ, it's, it's being willing to say, you know what, I don't understand, I don't get it, but I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to yield and, and see what God's doing in this situation. In John Bevere's book, this is a great book, by the way, on offense, The Bait of Satan. If you've never read The Bait of Satan, I would highly encourage it. Uh, John Bevere has an awesome book on it. But in his book, he says this about uh, dealing with hardships. He said, we grow in tough times, not the easy times. Hard places will always come in our journey with the Lord. We cannot escape them, but need to face them. For they are a part of the process of becoming perfect in Him. If you choose to run from them, you will seriously hinder your growth. As you overcome different obstacles, you will be stronger and more compassionate. You will fall in love with Jesus. If you have come out of hardships and do not feel this way, you have probably not received from the offense, recovered from the offense, sorry. Recovery is your choice. Some people get hurt and never recover. As cruel as this may sound, it was their choice. Jesus learned obedience by things he suffered. Peter learned obedience by things he suffered. Paul learned obedience by things he suffered. What about you? Have you learned or are you hard, callous, cold, bitter, and resentful? Then you did not learn obedience. Yes, it's true that there are some offenses that will not go away like water off a duck's back. You will have to work through them, striving to get free. But in that process, you will grow and mature. Maturity does not come easily. If it did, all would attain it. Few reach this level of life because of the resistance they face. There's resistance because the course of our society is, God, is not godly, but selfish. The world is dominated by the prince of the power of the air. And as a result, to enter into maturity of Christ, there will be hardships that come from standing against the flow of selfishness. So how do you deal with reconciliation? It, you may not be able to ever go to that person and say, look, you hurt me, you offended me, and I'm going to release you, I'm going to forgive you. You may never ever be able to go to that person in the face and, and deal with the situation, but reconciliation is about your heart and God. Reconciliation is coming before God and saying, God, I've, I've been hurt, I've been offended, I forgive them, I release them. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to heal my heart. Reconcile this relationship. Reconcile me and this person. It may not be that you, you may be facing a situation where the person you have offense with is dead and gone. And you may not ever be able to face them physically and, and, and begin to work through some of those hurts. But you begin to ask God to bring healing to the hurt that's in your life. Amen. I want to go through and close with this. Five stages of praying for people that we've been offended by. Do you know that, and Scripture says that pray for those who persecute you, bless those who persecute you. And we pray for our enemies. We pray for people that speak evil and, and hurtful things or wound us. But I want to give you five things, five areas, uh, five levels, if you will, of praying for people. And I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're facing today maybe offense or hurt, and you say, you know what, I'm offended and I don't know how to deal with this situation. I don't even want to forgive the person. Start by praying for them. Start off by praying for God's blessing. And it may be hard at first. The first level there is duty. You do it because you know you're supposed to. And that might be where you start off. You may begrudgingly pray for that person who's hurt you, but start there. The second level is debt. You are conscious of what God's done for you, and so you're willing to pray for the other person. Third level is desire. Now you start to pray for the person because you want to. Then delight, it becomes your joy. 
instead of just because it's, it's something that you delight in, now, now it's something or that you desire, it's now something that you delight in. It's something that you t- find joy in praying because you realize there's a blessing for your life when you're praying for the other person. And then lastly, the durability. It's a lifestyle of praying where you are now consistently praying for those who might oppose you or be against you. I want to wrap up with this story. We were one of one of our wonderful folks that we've discipled, and, and he, actually, I believe he was one of our interns. Um, if I go back, <laughs> this is going back a few years, he was in one of our internship programs, and he and I, you know, he was one of my one of my interns, and he did a lot of stuff. Was involved in a lot of different areas of our ministry. He comes to me one day and says, hey, I want to meet. I said, sure, let's go meet. So my standard meeting place, Starbucks. I said, let's go to Starbucks. So we go to Starbucks. We're sitting outside. I remember, the, I remember the conversation very vividly to this day. We sit down, and he says to me, he looks me in the face. He says, Pastor Zach, it's not all about the Holy Ghost. And I mean, he just starts going for it. I mean, and of course, you all know that we're very passionate about the Holy Spirit. Jesus was very passionate about the Holy Spirit, and we're very passionate about the Holy Spirit. That's, that is our ministry. As believers, that's our ministry, is through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so for someone to say to me, it's not all about the Holy Spirit, probably going to push one of my buttons in there somewhere. And so he's going on, it's not, you know, it's, it's, not, we, it's not just about praying in tongues, it's not just about the Holy Spirit, it's, and he's just going on and on and on. And I, I had my stuff with me. I gathered my stuff, and I, I got up from the table, and I said, I'm so sorry. I can't have this conversation. I said, for me, it is all about the Holy Spirit. If you're going to tell me that the, the Word of God's wrong, you can take that up with God. I'm not going to contradict the Word for me. It is all about the Holy Spirit. And so I started to walk to my car. He said, but Pastor Zach, it's, you know it's true. And I, he's yelling at me. This is how much offense is in his heart. He's yelling at me as I'm walking to my car. And I turned around and I called him by name and I said, I can't have this conversation. This, this, isn't, this isn't reality. This isn't the gospel. This isn't the word. It is all about the Holy Spirit. That's how I, that's how I live. It's by the Holy Spirit. I walked to my car and he, he got offended, left the church. He was an intern. He quit everything. He was out of everything. Bible college, everything. Of course, that never goes down real easy when you see one of your key people just disappear. So he disappeared. And then a couple years later, he showed, guess what? He showed back up at the church. He was in our office. He was asking for a meeting with Pastor Zach. So I met with him. He said, Pastor Zach, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, you are so right. He said, I've been hammered by life. And he said, I thought I could do it on my own. He said, I thought I could do it all on my own. Heather and I met with him. thought I could do it all on my own. Y'all were right. It is all about the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit to get by. And I say that story not to talk about necessarily the Holy Spirit and Spirit-filled ministry here, but I I share it because of the the reality of offense. You see, offense in our heart, no matter what the topic or what the issue or who caused it, causes us to perceive things that really aren't true. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, people and, and people that we thought were spiritual and foundationally sound, all of a sudden aren't quite so spiritually and foundationally sound as we thought they were because the root of offense has crept in. Situations catch us off guard and, man, what, what's going on? I don't understand this. I don't understand why they're responding. I don't understand why they're acting like that. Offense. Offense. 
So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're facing a situation of offense or maybe someone's hurt you or offended you, I want to encourage you this morning to release that offense. Ask God, God, help walk this journey with me of releasing offense. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ. And, and just by the very essence of who you are, your life, now this is going to sound harsh, but your life is offensive to God. Your life Without Him, without forgiveness, without the forgiveness of the Father, without the, the forgiveness and salvation of God, your life is offensive. Each of us live in a place without Christ of offense to the Father. It's only by the forgiveness of Jesus in our lives that we are no longer in offense. But He finds why. Not because of how great you are and how great of a smile you have or how pretty you dress. No. He begins to see the imprint of his son on your life. You've been forgiven. And Jesus, the imprint of his life, begins to take, begin, you begin to take on the nature and the imprint of Jesus' life. I'm going to ask Grace and the worship team to come. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Lord, we just thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you call us out of a life of offense. You call us out of our hurt. You call us, Lord, out of the destruction and the despair of what was. And Lord, you bring us into a place of peace, a place of forgiveness, a place of restoration, a place of healing and wholeness. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, God, that is away from you, maybe, God, they, their, their heart has grown hardened by offense or their heart has grown hardened by uh, the hurt of others. Lord, whatever the case is, folks that are here this morning, the need a touch from heaven, Lord, the need the transforming power of God in their life, I pray, Lord, they won't leave this place the same way that they came. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, why don't you just pray with me? Ask the Holy Spirit to, maybe he's already begun to open up things in your heart this morning and begin to reveal things in your life. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, begin to show us these areas of our lives that you're challenging us in. Got areas of offense or hurt. Lord, maybe, maybe there's not offense, but Lord, we know that opportunity's coming. Lord, help us to withstand the day of offense. You know, Jesus, as, as we wrap up today, Jesus with, was with his disciples. And he said to his disciples, if you want to be a part of me, if you want to have anything to do with me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says when he said that, that many were offended and left him. And he turned to his closest 12 and said, does this offend you? In other words, there's the door. Does this offend you? Sometimes the reality of the gospel is offensive. Sometimes we have a, we have a perception of, you know, as, as Jim was saying earlier, yeah, I want, we want a Pentecostal church. But when the reality of that happens, it's offensive to the natural mind. Speaking in tongues is offensive to the natural mind. People who are physically ill or sick being healed is offensive to the natural mind. People falling on the floor is offensive to the natural mind. Signs and wonders, it, it's meant to be offensive to the natural mind. That's why God did it. Salvation itself, <laughs> being born of a virgin, saved by death on a cross, that's offensive to the natural mind. Christianity at its very core is offensive to the natural mind. So we say, Jesus, I don't want to be offended by you. Lord, I don't want to be offended by the gospel. 
I want my life to be exactly what the gospel is. I want to live a life not offended by others, not offended by, by the reality of the gospel and the truth. I want my life to be full of the freedom of God, full of the freedom of the Spirit, not hindered by any situation or circumstance that I face with offense with someone else, but life full of freedom in the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with offense. No one's looking around, but maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with offense in your life and you would say, you know what? I don't want to be offended. I don't want to be bound by offense. I don't want to be bound by opposition. I need to live in freedom. I need, I need to maybe forgive someone this morning or maybe I need God to reconcile an area of my life. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. You're dealing with offense in your life. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else dealing with offense this morning and you want to release that offense? God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Many, 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 many hands went up. On the main floor, the balcony, many hands. Why is that? Because we all face the reality of life. Why don't you take the hand of your person next to you? Let's pray for each other. Lord, I pray for my friends here this morning. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. God, that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning Many, Lord, have raised their hands saying that they're dealing with offense or struggling in areas of their life. Lord, I pray for them. God, that you would touch them right where they're at. Lord, that you would begin to move on the emotional core of their being, Lord. Lord, where there's hurt and there's wounds and there's uh, uh, problems that they're carrying. Lord, I pray for healing and restoration in those areas. Lord, if there's someone in this room, God, that, that is struggling with the reality of the gospel, the reality of, of your word. God, that you would release them from the offense of the gospel. Lord, that they'd be able to walk free. God, grant them repentance, as, as Paul told Timothy. Grant them repentance, Lord, that they would not be in opposition to the work of God. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your touch this morning. Lord, I thank you for healing in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.